Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And as our program is open today, you've been listening to one of the most ancient songs in the whole of Western history. It's called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we associate it with Christmas. Of course we do, because it's long been used to help people prepare for Christmas. And it goes way, way back, almost a thousand years in its history. And just to think about people using that song and being moved by its haunting melody... It's extraordinary. With me today in the studio, Jamie Wilkerson. Did you ever listen to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? And it's just kind of a soothing, calm, a thoughtful reflection that comes over you. I love that song. Yes, it does. And it does have a long history, and it comes out of monasteries uh, in Europe over a thousand years ago, where the monks, in preparation for Christmas, especially in the seven days before Christmas, would work through the cycle of this song because it has many, many stanzas. And each day they would work through the cycle of the song that would help prepare their hearts for the celebration of Jesus and his birth. Well, there are all other kinds of Christmas music. Do you have a a favorite song or two, Jamie? You know, it depends on where I am. So if I'm at home during Christmas time, then I want to hear the Christmas song, you know. You mean that chestnuts roasting on the open fire Yes, chestnuts roasting on the open fire. But when I'm shopping, I have to hear Andy Williams sing, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Andy <laughs> Williams, are you old enough to remember that Andy Williams? That song is classic. Have you ever shopped during <laughs> Christmas and not heard that song? It's a great tune, and Andy nails it, no doubt about that. And you've just helped us remember that the genre of Christmas music has many dimensions. There's some that we might call sacred music and some that's more pop or contemporary or secular. But all of it is hinged on Christmas. Christmas is at the center of all of these tunes, and they all have power to move us. When we come back, let's just think about that. The power of music and the power of music wedded to Christmas and how it can actually change our lives. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half-happiest season of all With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call It's the happiest season of all There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting And caroling out in the snow 
There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time for the most wonderful time of the year. That song is magical. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jamie, I hope you're satisfied. We've got Andy right here in the program. And as I think about that, I have to think about, well, when did Christmas music actually begin and why is there Christmas music? Let's go way back in time. Christmas, which was established in the church calendar in the centuries after the Lord's birth, was not always a main event in people's cycle of experience as one year rolled to the next. Easter was always the most important holiday. But a thousand years ago or so, Christmas began to move up in people's consciousness. It was always there, but it wasn't celebrated in the elaborate way that we do now, but for over a thousand years, it's been a real thing. And for the last 500 years, music has especially gripped the popular imagination when it comes to celebrating Christmas. Think about this, Jamie, if you were not literate, and most people could not read or write 500 years ago, or certainly a thousand years ago, most people just could not stare at a page and figure out the words. They didn't know what it meant, but they could remember words if they were set to rhyme or set to music. They were teaching tools. So ancient songs, even like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or maybe something many centuries old like God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Those words could be remembered in song. And so as people began to celebrate Christmas with a full developed experience, naturally music was a part of it. It helped people remember the narrative, the story. They couldn't read the Bible for themselves, but the music would tell the story. And of course, those story songs were all about the narrative of Jesus. Later, when Christmas became much of a commercial enterprise, then new music developed to reflect those things, like it's the most wonderful time of the year, (laughs) And (laughs) and the shopping songs and silver bells and all the rest. But all of it speaks about the wonder and the certain magic of Christmas. Well, is there a part of the Christmas story, Jamie, that you think actually captures music from the very beginning, from day one? Yes, I believe in the Gospel of Luke. The angels singing, isn't that what we think? Yes. That the angels were singing over Bethlehem? But is that really what Luke chapter 2 says? We know that it describes angels. We know we have this crowd of shepherds out of town in the night, and the angels show up. But did the angels actually sing 
Hmm. I think a lot of Christmas music assumes they did. So we have songs like Angels We Have Heard on High, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Sing. What does it actually say? Let's read it. Okay. Luke chapter 2. I'll take it from verse 8 and then you can close it up. This is the Word of God. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, that night refers to the day Jesus was born, the evening of the day Jesus was born. We're not even sure that Jesus was born at night. We sometimes think of that because this story talks about the nighttime, but he might have been born at noon or (laughs) in the late afternoon or in the morning. We don't know. But that evening of that first Christmas day, there were these shepherds staying in the fields nearby Bethlehem, and they were guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I just have to pause here and think, wow, you know, when an angel shows up, there's a certain radiance, there's a supernatural quality. Uh, Sometimes it's described as light, maybe coming from the presence of God, so dazzling that all you can do is be shocked and afraid. And Whenever that happens, these angels say, don't be afraid. The word to us at Christmas and every day is don't be afraid if you're seeking for God. Don't be afraid. In any case, the angel continued by speaking. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And here the angel, and the very word angel means messenger, is unpacking the news of the ages. The long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, the sent one of God, the one who's going to set all things right, that one is today born in Bethlehem. And you can go find this baby yourself. You actually have a chance, you guys, out here in the field. You can go find Jesus. I mean, it's the most extraordinary moment. And the shepherds, who were kind of the dregs of society, these these were not prominent jobs. These were the jobs nobody else wanted to take, watching over sheep at night, fending off wild beasts who might want to assault the sheep and so on. I mean, this was not your prized job. But these shepherds have been chosen by God to be the witness of the birth of the Messiah and an angelic visit. I mean, it's, it's a wow. But then... As they're just listening to this, what happens next? Verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Wow. First, I have an angel show up that terrifies me. Now there's a vast host of them, an army of them. That's how the scripture describes it. So this has to be like intimidating or amazing and both. And these angels are glorifying and praising God with these words, glory to God in the highest, famous, famous words. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men and so on. It doesn't actually say they're singing, though, Jamie. Did you notice that? I did notice that. (laughs) It doesn't say they're singing at all. Where do we get the music or this angelic choir, as we're used to referring to it? Where does that come from? Ah, it comes from the way in which the Scripture usually unites praise and music. 
So we have in the Old Testament a book called the Psalms, which are songs, and it's a collection. It's a hymnal from the ancient time. And in the Psalms, it would say, sing your praises. It it unites praise and, and singing often. And that's not just in the Psalms. It's throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, too. We're told to sing our praises with hymns and spiritual songs. Praise God with hymns and spiritual songs. In Revelation, we have angels who are about the throne, and they're glorifying God. It's the same kind of sense of the language. When you think about that, you can see where the music comes from. The Greek word that's translated praise, and this Luke chapter 2 was first written in Greek, that word praise actually means the joyful praise of God expressed in doxology, hymn, or prayer. The joyful praise. So praise is not melancholy. It's not subdued. It is joyful. And it's done with hymns, doxologies, which are kind of uh, short forms of music, and and prayers. Uh, They're closing things. They're bookends sometimes, but they are musical often. And so we imagine that the angels were singing. Is it possible, do you think this, Jamie, is it possible that the voices of angels massed together, no matter how we described it, would appear to be music to us? In other words, otherworldly harmony, a certain sense of peace and power that music can bring. I believe it could. I would imagine, even reading this passage, it just... I just think it just is so fitting for it to to come with some type of melody. And hearing the vast host of armies, I would think it would sound um, to us like a song Hear or this. a chant. Well, but music otherworldly, it, it's not just speech in the way that we're accustomed to it. It has something more emotive, all-encompassing. Hear this famous Christmas song, which speaks exactly of that. It came upon the midnight clear That glorious song of old And from angels bending near the earth To touch their harps of gold
idea of music, Jamie, is a mystery. I mean, if I were to ask you, how do you define music, what would you say? I would just, I don't know. It's something that, you know, everyone can relate to. Music draws people. It appeals to the emotions. It it, it unifies people. But music, those are all the effects of music. That's the effects. It's, that's what I'm music, saying. It's hard yeah, to define it's hard it. to define. How, how, how do I describe it? It's some kind of union of thought and rhythm and tone, harmonies, that it's hard for us to explain. Where does it come from? I've heard some people suggest that music is the proof there is a God because it defies nature in a way. It it requires a certain kind of outside of ourselves, otherworldly kind of impression. Do you know that there's actually even some science going on right now about human DNA? And that if you could imagine the strands that we think of in our our genomes, our, our, our core cell, that there's these strands and, and computers are analyzing that constantly. There's so much research be, being done right now in uh, genetic science. But there have been some who've been able to find musical patterns unique to every DNA. In other words, that they, they can actually, by computer, translate the DNA into a kind of musical harmony that is unique to each of us. It's that's so amazing. Yes, but it speaks about the creator and about the way in which music communicates and moves. Some music, like anything, can be harnessed by dark forces and, and have very negative impacts on people. There are some music that draws people into dark places, but music can also be harnessed by the very light of heaven. And at Christmas, we find music that elevates and brings hope. I mean, who can't hear Christmas music and be stirred by it in the deepest part of your being? I think those angels were singing a song of a kind, however we would define it, and whether it was orchestrated in a way that Beethoven could have imagined, or maybe it was just a single acoustic guitar, and maybe there were no instruments at all. But what we know is they gave a message that was so harmonious so amazing 
that it reached in the deepest part of those shepherds' being to tell them about Jesus. Christmas music should take us to Jesus. Even a song that might have secular overtones can remind us that we're celebrating because Jesus came. All right, what do you think is the most amazing, influential, popular Christmas song of all time? Can you imagine? Now, let me just say, the bestseller of all time is White Christmas. More copies of that have been sold in, in modern time than anything ever composed. But over time, what is the song that actually has stolen the world's heart? Is it Silent Night? Silent Night. <laughs> written so long ago, centuries ago, in the heart of Europe on a Christmas Eve in a famous narrative. It just kind of came out of nowhere and was performed for the first time just with a guitar because the organ in the church wouldn't work on a Christmas Eve. And when we hear it, we have all kinds of images of snow falling in the church outside and candles in the window. But the text of the song speaks about the birth of Jesus in the most accurate way about the rudimentary and and poor, impoverished frame of the Lord's birth, the, the manger, the family Joseph and Mary gathered about, and yet the light of it. And there's something so reflective and thoughtful. When you hear Silent Night, you can't help but just take a deep breath and wonder, what is this Jesus who has come? This Christmas, we're not sure about where you are in your celebration. We're not sure what kind of music you're listening to, but we want to encourage you to find some Christmas music that will speak into your heart and bring calm and peace and will actually lead you to thinking about Jesus because Jesus is at the center of the whole celebration. How can you find him? How can you respond to the music that's stirring in your soul? You can start by praying with us right now. Our Father, we're so thankful for the Christmas time. We're so thankful for the birth of Jesus. We're so thankful for the way in which you came into this world in the person of your son and how you have a song that you want to place in all of our hearts. We're thankful for the angelic host that first broadcast the news. And we're thankful that we can still hear the voices of angels that would seem in some of the most beautiful music ever written that speaks about the coming of Christ. Thank you for the hymn, Silent Night, and how it calms and soothes almost supernaturally as it draws us into that moment when Jesus was born. I pray, Lord, that my heart will be calm and at peace with you, surrendered into the hands of Jesus, my Lord. I pray that all who pray with us just now might find their lives, their souls surrendered, and then made born again, fresh and new, by the name and the work and faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing our prayer, and thank you for this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright.
If you'd like to know more about Christmas, about Jesus, about how Christmas music can speak into your life for the good, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're right by the phone, ready and willing, anxious to hear from you. But Jamie, sometimes people are not certain they want to pick up the phone and talk to anybody live just yet, but they would be willing to check us out online. What's our web address? It's www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry. You can send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this Christmas week. Jamie, this is the week of Christmas, and Christmas Eve is shortly upon us. A Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. And to all of you who've been listening with us today, thank you so much. We hope that you'll be very encouraged as Christmas rolls around, and that you'll join us again next week as we continue unpacking some of the most important emblems of this holiday time right here with you. For all of us at The Viewpoint Team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Merry Christmas.